Ryan King became a self-made millionaire at 30 years of age. I would basically work two or three days straight. I'm talking like no sleep. He's married for 14 years, has two sons of 12 and 14. They'll, they'll date whoever looks hot at the bar. It's like, bro, that's the, that's the thing that has the potential to be fatal. My everything in my body wants to be with you. Logically, I know that you're dangerous for me. Ryan's purpose today is to call men to a higher standard and equip the women who love them. But if, if you have to choose between watching porn or your marriage, do you need to sacrifice the porn? Ryan has become a role model for many men who lack healthy masculine influences. Yes, a man can get to where I, I'm at when I write about relationships. But if you're looking for a single dude to have those skills, you're going to be waiting forever. This podcast is here to offer you the tools and strategies that you need to level up your life as a man in today's world. Ryan, I read one of your posts recently on pain, that pain is fuel. And I'm a big believer in this too. But can you tell me about a painful experience in your own life and how that became the fuel for progress and growth on your journey here? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think... Every man deals with a certain amount of, you know, pain and resistance. That's just the nature, you know, the nature of the world. I know for me personally, the, the main things when I think of as pain um, is I've had several health issues over, over the years. Um, I've, I've had a sleeping disorder my whole life. So um, I, it was undiagnosed until about five years ago, but basically um, my body clock doesn't reset. So it's just like fixed. It's like a, it's a disability. It's on the Americans with Disabilities Act. So like my natural sleep schedule is like from about 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. my time. And it's, it's just fixed. Like it doesn't adapt, you know. So, you know, you live in Ireland. If you were to go to another country within a week or so, the first week would be rough. You'd have jet lag and stuff. You know, you'd feel off, but then you, you would adapt. Well, that's how I feel all the time when, I'm, when I have to go to sleep at, you know, 11 p.m. and wake up at 7, you know. Um, and so I've dealt with that my whole life. You know, it cost me like my first five jobs that I got that I had before I really realized how to manage it. Um, and so that was definitely something that um, it took a lot of resilience and grit, you know, when I was building my business, um, because that sleep schedule doesn't really align with any kind of career where you can make a lot of money. You know, it doesn't really align. If I follow that sleep schedule, I would never see my family because most of my waking hours would be from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. and I'd be alone for six hours at night. You know? So it wasn't really an option to, to go by that. So I just had to, I had to, you know, I had several years where I was building my business where I just had to, you know, I ended up getting to a point where I had prescription sleeping pills and then I, um, you know, had doctors prescribe me Adderall to wake up in the morning. And so I just had to, I had to rely on those things for years and it just took a really bad toll on my health. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, for me, it was something that I had to learn to deal with. And you just learn how and you learn that resilience, you know. And then about five years ago, um, I started having weird body pain and I, I had started having trouble like controlling like my legs and stuff. And so I was worried that I had like ALS or something and went to doctors for years and, and finally got basically got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is um, 
for those that don't know, I didn't know what it was. It's really just unexplained body pain. Like nobody knows what causes it, but it's just like unexplained body pain. Um, and over the years, I've just dealt with several health issues. And about this time last year, started just having major anxiety attacks, major panic attacks um, for no reason. You know, like I'm retired. My business is, you know, my business is done. My, my life is exactly where I wanted to be. So there was no outside pressure. There was no reason to have panic attacks. Um, and come to find out it was all connected. My wife started doing some research and um, found out that I basically have like a genetic disorder where um, I just don't detox naturally. I don't get nutrients out of food the way that normal people do and stuff. And so I just had this overload of toxins in my system and it was causing things like fibromyalgia and it was causing like depression and panic attacks and all this stuff. And so I had to learn, you know, how important the fitness aspect of things is. And I had to clean up my diet and, um, and started having to really go out of my way to do things to detox that normal people just, just normally get rid of. You know, I have to go to the sauna. I have to do all these manual things to get the toxins out of my system because otherwise they just stay in there still. But the fibromyalgia has now pretty much gone away as long as I manage it. You know, now for me, you know, what I struggle with as a man is like, I've only got like five to six good hours a day in me before I'm just like wiped out. And if I push past that, I can push past it and I do if I need to, but I'm, I'm down for like three days afterwards. You know, so I can't go do like the rucking like a lot of dudes do, or I, you know, I can't go do a lot of these things. That are, you know, a lot of men are like, hey, look how manly I am. For me, it's like, it kind of sucks that I can't go do that stuff, but it is what it is, you know. So um, there's a lot of, you know, there, when I was really in the middle of all that stuff, um, you know, I would tell my wife, it's like, man, I wish I, did, I wish I had cancer. You know, I wish it was something that people, other people would be like, man, I know how serious that is because it's like, oh, he's got cancer. Or he's got something major because so many of the things that I'm dealing with are like, oh, you have a sleeping disorder. Oh, that's, that's, that sucks. Like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm, I feel jet lagged all the time. Like, basically all the, all the symptoms of COVID where you've got brain fog and body pain and, you know, just lethargic and all that stuff. Like, I felt like, I felt like that for 15 years, you know, um, and I just had to learn to deal with it. Now on the other side of it, I feel like now looking back on it, it's a blessing because it's forced me to learn how to manage myself. It's forced me to prioritize. It's forced me to, you know, I'll, I know now what I'm capable of. Like if I can get through that stuff, then there's nothing somebody can throw at me that I can't also get through. Um, you know, it's forced me to be proactive with my fitness. It's forced me to, you know, do things with my diet that everybody should be doing. I just really, really don't have a choice, you know? So in some ways it's a blessing because it's, you know, it, it's it really, I don't have the option of not going to the gym, of not going to the sauna, you know, like, and so in some ways it kind of takes the self-control element out of it that I think is hard for a lot of men. And so to me, you can either look at it as like, you know, poor me, or you can look at it as, Hey, this has forced me to tap into some things that I probably wouldn't have had to learn how to tap into otherwise, you know? And so, um, obviously that's not ideal, but I definitely feel like it's made me stronger and more resilient, you know? And when I go into things now, it's like, man, good luck throwing something at me that I'm not ready for because I've already been through hell, you know, mm -hmm. and I've made it out the other side. And so, um, I don't know that necessarily those pain, those particular pains that I've gone through was, was fuel for me as much as it was just survival. Um, but it definitely taught me what I'm, 
how much resilience that I'm, that I have, if I have no choice, you know, and I, and I think one of the things I try to, I try to teach, you know, through my content is I don't think I'm unique in that. I think every man's capable of that kind of resilience and that kind of, you know, overcoming adversity if they allow themselves to be put in the position where they have no choice, you know, uh, for me, I feel fortunate because I didn't have a choice. I had to tap into a part of myself to, to get through that. And one of the messages I try to get through to men is like, I think every, every man and woman too, there's a deeper level we have that we can tap into. We can do things we don't think we can do. Um, but some people are, are fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how they look at it that life puts them in positions where they've got, to, where they've got to tap into it. And that's where you either sink or swim, you know, but if you do swim, there's like an awareness of a deeper level of strength that you wouldn't know you had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's definitely what I feel like I've learned, learned from all that. Gifted of adversity. Yes. It's, yeah. <clears throat> and the question I have is that whilst you're going through that shit storm with your health, you were also building your very successful business over that period of time. How did you manage that with these health issues at play? I mean, I basically just blocked the health issues out. You know, like I, so for me, the pattern for me for the, the seven years that I was building my business, you know, um, it's funny because when I went to finally, probably five years ago, I finally was, I, w- I went to see like the best doctor I could find the best sleep specialist I could find. So I live in Arkansas, which is right above Texas. And I found a doctor in Miami and um, in Miami, Florida. And so my wife and I flew to see him and he was a, um, he was a, he, he was a psychiatrist, um, a neurologist. So he had a dual doctorate and specialized in sleep. And so I told him what was going on and he just looked at me and he said, you know, are you employed? I was like, yeah, I actually own my own business. He said, how many marriages is this? I said, that's my first marriage. He was like, wow. He said, I've never met somebody that had what you have. That's 90% of the people that have what you have don't work and can't stay married because the symptoms from this are just so hard to deal with. And so that really gave me a lot of, I've been beating myself up for years because I felt like I was lazy because I couldn't do what a lot of other men did, you know? Um, and that really gave me a lot of just internal healing to know like, wow, maybe I haven't done as bad a job managing this as I thought, because, you know, to answer your question, when I was, when I was building my business, um, I would basically work two or three days straight. I'm talking like no sleep. You know, I would just, you know, I would work four days, I would work four days and I wouldn't eat very much. I would just drink chocolate milk so that I wouldn't get hungry and I just keep going. I, you know, when I got home, I'd be so amped up from everything I've been doing at work. I couldn't turn it off. And so I would just, so I would just work for four days and then I would collapse for three days, you know? And so there, there was a time period when my kids were young um, and I was always very vocal with my wife about what was going on. And, and we'd sat down very early on in our marriage and said, you know, this first 10 years is just going to suck. You know, like I'm, I'm going to, I've got to go build, I've got to go do whatever it takes to build a foundation for our lives that's stable. And I need you to be my partner, you know, and I'm not going to be home as often and I'm not going to be as present. I'm going to be really tired. But the promise that I'll make to you is if you'll if you'll support me during that and you'll hold me up and you'll you'll hold it down at home that after that time is done, we'll have a life like nobody else has. You know, so we're, we're partners in that. 
and that was that didn't make it easy for her but at least knowing what the plan was you know helped her feel like okay i know my part in this i know what i need to be doing i know what my job is um and fortunately it worked out the way that i that i planned and and once i was past that stage of building the business and past the stage where I got my health on a good foundation, you know, I really started rebuilding my marriage and pouring into that because it created a lot of baggage, you know, over that seven year period, you know, and um, fortunately my kids were really young, so they, they didn't really remember, you know, but um, for me personally, I have no, I have very few memories of my wife and kids for like, there's a five year window where I just, I don't remember anything about myself or my kids it was just like pure like adrenaline almost you know and there was there was a one there was a couple year time span after after the business was finally able to stand on its own two feet where i almost had like ptsd like it was it was like just straight recovery and that's when i started realizing all what all these health problems were because i just ignored them i was like i don't have time to think about it i've got a job to do i've got to build this business Uh, you know so it was, uh, it was very much not what I would necessarily recommend, you know, like I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, you know, I posted a, a thing the other day, like I was down to like 155 pounds and I'm six, four. So 155 pounds of six, four, you can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you look like you're about to, people, people thought I had like cancer, like, oh my God, but he looks like he's a skeleton, you know, uh, but that was, that was because the medication I was having to take to be alert during the day, you know, mm-hmm took my appetite away but obviously you've built a very successful business with that and you have come out of the other side of it after seven yeah. years and being able to rebuild your marriage and of course re- rebuild or maybe build a, a connection with your with your two sons but mm-hmm. as you reflect back on that period of seven years do you have some regrets over it no you know i feel like i did what i had to do you know i mean it was um i i, I wasn't expecting the health stuff but everything else about the plan was kind of what I expected going into it, you know, from before the plan even started, like when we got married, I was like, okay, this is what the next seven or eight years is just going to look like. Um, you know, now there were things and obstacles that came up that I didn't expect. Um, but, you know, I don't really have regrets about it just because I wouldn't say that everybody should follow that path. But for me, that was all I could really do, you know, with the limitations that, Cause I still have the sleeping disorder. I still have the limitations that I have. I just, now I'm able, you know, like last night, since I don't have to be at work, like last night I went to bed about three 30 and I woke up about 10 30, you know? So now I'm able to follow my, my more normal sleep schedule. Um, but like, if I had to go back to waking up at 7 AM again, I would get right back into what it took last time, you know? So I don't really have regrets about it because that's just had, it's just the path that I had to follow. That's what I had to do. You know, well, maybe regrets is too strong of a word, but is there anything you would have done differently? Mm, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have been as hard on myself about it, you know, because that was one of the, that was probably the hardest thing before I knew that it was caused by something. I didn't know I had a sleeping disorder. I didn't know I had fibromyalgia. And so I was really, really hard on myself. I would compare myself to other men and be like, God, you're such a pussy for not being able to, to do all this and you know, go home and, and do CrossFit or whatever, you know, it's like that, that's really the only thing I think I would take back with me is just an awareness that like, no, that's, 
given given the reality of your situation, you did the best you could. You know, and did pretty well. Yeah, and it's and do you believe that that is the pain that fueled your progress? When we talk about pain being fueled, that the pain of your circumstance around that time when you were building your business give you the fuel to actually work in the business and to create that success? Um, I think the pain, like, so for me, I think when I talk about pain being fuel, for me, the, I, I, by the time I was building the business, I had already learned that pain is fuel. So it wasn't, that wasn't what, what drove me through it. So for me, the pain is fuel thing. The context for that was like with my, with my son and like with sports, you know, like when you, he's, he's at an age where like he's failing in sports or whatever, you know, and he's taken it really hard. And I was an athlete. I played baseball in high school and college. And so for me, I learned early on that like failure, you know, is what, like when you fail and it hurts, that's what drives you to go practice more. That's what drives you to go perfect it more, you know? And so I feel like by the time I was an adult, I learned those lessons as an athlete, as a kid. So by the time I was an adult, I just knew what the process was, you know? I, so it, I've never really used pain as fuel as an adult, but I think a lot of people haven't learned those lessons in childhood. So they need to learn that as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of wrote that for the people that didn't learn it at a young age, but um, kind of the catalyst for that particular piece that, that you're referring to was, um, was my son, you know, he, um, he had missed, you know, he had, a, he had a basketball game and it was like the championship game. And um, he basically choked, you know, like he, he didn't do the things he needed to do. And, and I think most parents, you know, after the game, he was, he was really upset. He was crying and, and, you know, my wife wanted to comfort him. And I looked at her, I said, don't rescue him. He needs to sit with the pain. And she was like, okay, you know, and she, but, and then about an hour after we got home, he was quiet for a couple hours, about an hour after he came home, he came down, he was crying. And, you know, he was like, I'm tired of disappointing myself. I'm tired of letting myself down. And, um, you know, I think the typical parent's response in that situation is to be like, oh, it's okay, buddy. Everybody fails and all this stuff. And I, and, and I said, listen, everybody fails, but here's the difference. Unless you want to stop failing, what you need to do is I'm not going to sit and tell you that it's okay because it's, it, it's not okay for you. You're, you said to me, you're disappointed in yourself. Not I'm disappointed. You're disappointed in yourself. The only way to fix that is you need to go sit with this pain until it hurts so badly that you, that you make a decision to go work on it until the next time you're in that situation, you're not going to fail because you've practiced and you're ready for that moment. But just coming down here and wanting me to say, Oh, it's okay. And give you permission to, to not hurt anymore. That would be, that would be me not doing my job as a dad. It's supposed to hurt. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to hurt. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to be the fuel that keeps you improving that, that makes you, I'm not going to do you the disservice of taking that pain away because that pain is what drives you to go back out tomorrow and practice that shot to go back out tomorrow and have that tenacity. Um, and so for me as an adult, I've never really, I've, I've always just, I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Like I don't, it doesn't take pain to fuel me. I just understand the process of, you know, you keep failing until you don't fail anymore and mm -hmm. then you're successful. Like that's just it. It's real simple. But I think most people haven't learned that lesson, you know, and so that's kind of where that post came from for me. And I, I think I learned those lessons, but I didn't really think of them in those terms as an adult because I learned them as a kid. Yeah. And so by the time I was an adult, 
I just knew how it worked. I never avoided pain. I never avoided failure. I never thought about looking stupid. I, you know, so many of the things that I see holding so many modern people back, they just never had, they just, there's no avoiding embarrassment or shame or failing yourself or being disappointed with yourself, you know, and this, this modern self-help stuff that tells you, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. It's like, do you feel perfect? You know what I mean? Like when you mess up are you just like, oh, that's okay. Or does it bother you? If it bothers you, then that means you probably need to do something about it. Yeah. It's a message. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not, it's not other people making you feel bad. Like you disappoint yourself and then you go to other people and they bail you out. When in reality, if it wasn't a big deal, you would never have been disappointed in yourself in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a brilliant lesson for your son. And what other lessons do you hope to teach them or do you want to teach them as they are um, growing into well, man, there's a, there's a whole bunch, you know, I mean, I think one of the things right now that they're 11 and 13, obviously you've got like the standard stuff that I think it's important for a man to know, like keeping your word, having integrity, you know, being honorable, things like that. Um, to me, those are kind of, you know, just duh, you know, like they just, of course that for me, the main thing I want for them is, is, that idea of lifelong learning, you know, of always, you know, of always being open to like, there's always something more to learn, you know, there's always something to improve upon and to not get complacent, you know, because that's, and, and what's so ironic to me about modern men and, and probably to, to an extent, modern women too, is it's like our goal is complacency. You know, our goal is to learn just enough to like have the job and then whatever it's, in, you know, but then at the same time, how many men are addicted to video games, you know, and it's like, and as a man, I know how it's all set up. And if I let myself sit and play Call of Duty with my kid, I'm so addicted to like, oh, I got If I play for just a couple more hours, I'll unlock the next gun. It's like, I don't even care about the next gun. Right. But there's just something inside of inside of my mind as a man, it's like, wants the next thing that wants to unlock the next thing and wants to level up that wants to chase the thing right and so to me there's like this disconnect because how many how many men in the world are addicted to that process of video games like the constant leveling up and the constant chasing the next thing but those same men are seeking complacency in their lives and then they wonder why they're dissatisfied it's like because the whole point is to learn the new thing to level up that's that's the fun that's what makes it fun so it makes the video game fun. And that's also what makes life fun. As soon as you get you know, satisfied with where you're at, you're going to be bored. You're going to get depressed. You know, like, and so that's the thing that I really hope my boys learn is just this, this eagerness to learn some, to learn new things for no reason, just, just to know it, mm -hmm. you know, like learn about history, even if you're never going to use it or talk about it to anybody, it's, it, you know, just like you, play an extra two hours to unlock a, a camo for your gun in a video game that doesn't matter either. Right. Like it's, it's the process of learning something that makes life interesting. It's not the value of what you're learning necessarily. Mm -hmm. However, with video games, do you feel that's potentially ticking that box for men in terms of they're playing the video yeah. game and they're achieving whatever the next level Mm -hmm. whatever game yeah i think it's a fake i think it's a takes, fake version takes, of that same concept yeah takes the hunger away from yeah reality from yeah. changing life yeah well and, and it's you know to me i think and i don't know how to teach this to my kids but there's some there's some element of 
I feel like with video games, I don't know that I know that I know how to articulate it really well because I haven't really talked about it. But there's like one thing I've noticed with so many men is that when it comes to them, there's like this fear of failure. There's like this ego thing. There's this fear of everything being personal and all this. And, and it's like to me, I think the difference between real life and the video game and the reason people seek the video game is because in the video game, they're detached. They know that when they die, they don't, when they, when they get killed in a video game, they're not saying, yeah, I'm so bad at video games. You know, they're going to respawn and start over again. Right? Yeah. Whereas in real life, they feel like they only get one life, you know, and they're so afraid of messing up and everything's personal. And so I think part, I think a big part of it is what you're talking about where that's fulfilling that need for growth and substituting it for real growth. But I think the bigger, the bigger, deeper issue. And again, I don't know that I'm articulating it well is that, they're, they're detached in a video game, whereas in life, they can't detach from their own pride and their own ego. And so that failure makes them feel bad about themselves, where if, if they could bring that sense of detachment that they have with video games and view themselves almost as the video game character, have that sense of detachment where it's like, oh, I screwed up. I'm going to respawn and try again. Or if you could just stay detached from yourself and not take it personally and not feel like anybody's looking at you or that there's anything to be embarrassed about, I think a lot more men would would rather go improve their actual lives than go through video games. But I think what really holds them back is that there's no there's no risk to their ego. Nobody's watching them fail at video games. Yeah. They're they're alone, right? Like whereas out in the real world, if you try to start a business and it fails, everybody sees it and blah 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 blah. So. To me, I think if you can learn that, if you can learn to play that mind game with yourself of just detach mm-hmm. from your person out, from your person, detach from yourself, detach from your ego, and understand that the same process that works in video games applies to real life. Most things aren't that big of a deal. If you fail, you're going to respawn. You'll get a chance to try again, right? Like if they could just get that sense of detachment, I think a lot more men, and I don't know how much this overlaps with women. Um, would go out and just treat it kind of like the video game where like, you know, going into a video game, the first time you pick it up and play it, you're not going to beat the game. You know, like you, you try it, you get as far as you can and you figure out what killed you and you don't die that way the next time. And you advance a little further until you figure it all out. That is a perfect overlap with how life works, how success works in business and relationships and, you know, fitness and whatever. It's like you, you do the best you can until you do something stupid and then you evaluate the stupid thing. You're like, okay, I'm not going to do that specific stupid thing anymore. And you advance a little further until you do something stupid. You're like, okay, I need to respawn and try again. Like there's such a parallel. Um, and the only distinction between the two that I could figure out is that one of them is detached and one of them isn't. Yeah. I think that's really good, man. That's a crucial insight. And it's uh, to see life as a game and you are player one. And yeah. as you said, yeah, you do have one life on this world, but it's a pretty long life. And if you fuck up today, you know, you've got a chance to go again and you may fuck yeah. up again, but you get another chance again. And, and again, this is, I think, the importance of understanding that, that the failure is not a bad thing from a very young age and that it's actually um, the, the fuel potentially to mm-hmm. help you improve and to progress. And when you fuck up in later life and as an adult, you have the same sort of response. They say, okay, yeah. I messed this up. Take ownership of it. Reflect back on the on the experience. Take the lessons and, and move forward with new intuition, new knowledge that will bring you a step closer towards your 
success or towards your goal. So yeah, yeah to see life as a game. Yeah. And I think you know, one thing I don't even, I, I would give it proper credit. I don't remember where I heard it. I just remember hearing it probably 15 years ago on like XM radio before Spotify was a thing. I remember driving around listening to some nightly talk show or whatever on XM radio. And, and a guy basically said, you know, like one of the most important things you can learn about failure is, is being able to distinguish between like fatal mistakes and other types of mistakes. Like you de- there are definitely certain mistakes that you don't respawn from. Right. So like marrying the wrong partner, is a fatal mistake. That's definitely not something you want to be, you know, blase about. Um, but choosing a career, you can change careers anytime you want. It's not that big a deal, right? Like it, it's not that hard to change careers. Just start something. If you don't like it, start something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the thing that I've always tried to do is like the first thing that I'd look at is like some things you do need to avoid thinking about because they have severe consequences, right? Like you, you don't want to get into like, way too much debt and then not be able to pay it off or, you know, so there are a few things that are quote unquote fatal that you can't respond from or that are very, very difficult to respond from. But m- most things outside of a few narrow windows are easy to even something like bankruptcy or whatever. Like if it's the worst thing, worst case scenario, if you have to go through bankruptcy, then you, then you go through it, you'll get through it. Right. Um, take a risk, start a business. If it doesn't work out, yeah, you've got to file bankruptcy, but it's a 5% chance anyway. And if that's the worst thing that could happen, you'll still be all right. It's, you know, so that that's the only, I think, you know, uh, disclaimer I would put on that is as you're evaluating failure, I think it's really important to recognize, like, if this is one of those serious things that, it, that I can't recover from, then you do need to hesitate and make sure it's the right decision. But, but if a- it's not one of those things, then legitimately don't think about it at all and just act like you would in a video game. Like you don't sit there and not move in a video game for 45 minutes where you're trying to evaluate. Like you just go and you die and you're like, okay, I won't go that way again. Mm-hmm. It's that like, it's that simple. Right. So I think it's like this weird dichotomy and you've got to just learn as you mature to have the discernment to say this actually, like one thing that's really important is your reputation, you know, cause once your reputation is ruined, there's no recovering from Right. And so when it comes to your, what your reputation is, you know, like if you, how many dudes have ruined their lives by sending like dick pics to somebody? It's like, oh, that's not a big deal. Like, no, don't ever do that. Like one wrong mistake, typing the wrong thing in a text message and putting that out into the world forever could come back and ruin your life in two years. So that's, that's another couple of examples of like, those are life ruining, non recovery. Like you can't recover from having your reputation ruined ever. So you need to be very, very diligent with how you protect your reputation, right? And so I think learning the difference between those types of fatal mistakes and the mistakes that really don't have any consequences at all frees you up to say, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. But with anything outside of those, you know, those few silos of fatal mistakes, there's literally almost no consequences at all other than people might make fun of you. Like, just go, man. Like, just go and do the thing. Yeah. I'm smiling because uh, <laughs> I went through uh, a bit of a process myself where I spoke to uh, Larry on the dad's edge about this last week where I had an addiction to porn in my teenage years and my 20s. And 
got so severe that I was on these webcam chat rooms and man, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad place. So I, I, I had unprocessed trauma from the past that was sort of fueling that addiction. And mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years later where I was getting to move away from, from this addiction, that was, but the, the past caught up with me and some footage of me in a webcam chat room uh, started circulating around my local area. People began to see it and you talk about a reputation being ruined. Well, that was my reputation in ruins. Like my, my whole life was in rubbles around me mm-hmm. in a matter of 24 hours, less 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been there to the point where I was making, making very careless decisions without having the awareness of why I was doing it and the potential consequences of it. Mm-hmm. However, I was able to take those pieces and the rubble and to build something new with my life. So maybe yeah. that part of my reputation was destroyed, but I was able to take the blocks that had felt fallen around me and to build something new with that. And I think it's it's down to it's down to your reaction in that situation. And I had good men around me at the time as well. I was going through a mentorship program and I had someone there who was able to guide me in the right direction. But that's something that could have gone either way at that point. However, well, and, and even in the big scheme of things, that's a fairly minor scandal. You know, I mean, look at look at the major scandals we've seen with, you know, these guys that had it all to get like Tiger Woods, you know, like his whole life. I mean, look at what look at what happened to Tiger Woods, reputation. You know, look, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things that brings good men down. I, I wouldn't say even good men, you know, popular men, men who seem to have are on top of the world. I, would, I probably need to amend that statement that they're good men as mm-hmm. opposed to they're men we, we look up to as a society that seem to have it all figured out. How often do they get torn down and everything they worked for got torn down because of bad judgment around yeah. gambling or, you know, hiring prostitutes or, you know, the Me Too movement or, you know, all those things. And, and so it, it almost seems like men are men have it backwards in a lot of ways or they're, they're they hyper analyze the things that aren't that big of a deal meanwhile they're not taking the thing they'll, they'll date whoever looks hot at the bar it's like bro that's the that's the thing that has the potential to be fatal that's the thing you need to take your time about and say you know what you're hot but i can see what my life is going to be like with you and that's a really bad idea so i'm going to break it off with you even though you're really good looking and the sex is great. And, and my, everything in my body wants to be with you. Logically, I know that you're dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. Men won't make that decision, but they're afraid to start a business because people might make fun. It's like, dude, you've got it so backwards, man. Like, like you've got to switch those around. So as far as, you know, it's a very long way to answer your question for, for my boys, you know, is teaching them those, teaching them those kinds of lessons of like the discernment of fatal mistakes versus fixable mistakes. And, and especially like which, which of the things in life are truly the things that you need to be ruthless about making sure you don't screw those things up while also being able to not be so pretentious and self-conscious about all the other things in life that don't matter. Like you need to be bold and almost like, uh, almost like completely irresponsible with how, how risk, tolerant you are with like i'm just going to go start this business and i don't care i'm just going to go do this thing and like i'm just going to go i'm going to go on a two mile hike even though i've never hiked before i'm just going to figure it out like just be completely irresponsible about so many things in life and just go but dude on these four or five areas these are life altering 
that you could completely destroy your life if you screw these four or five things up. And that's where I think the absence of fathers and the absence of not just fathers, but wise fathers and wise, wise men in our lives has really taken a toll is because you've got men that are either irresponsible with all their decisions and they choose the wrong woman and it absolutely destroys their life, you know, or they don't use good judgment when it comes to their public image or what they expose themselves to, what they allow their reputation to get tied to, and it destroys their life. And that's on one end of the spectrum. Then you got the other end of the spectrum where there's so many men that I engage with. They're just afraid to do anything. I mean, they're like rabbits in a corner. They're, they're like, there's wolves everywhere. It's like, there's really not, man. Like, just go out there and do your thing. And if there is a wolf, you can probably run away, you know, like, or learn how to be a wolf. One of the two. Sure. Like, um, Embody the wolf. Yeah. Do you believe that, or would you agree that some of those fatal mistakes or errors or failures fatal failures could potentially be avoided if you are evaluating your journey towards that failure so for example it's unlikely that you will go bankrupt simply overnight there's most likely been some sort of careless approach or management Mm -hmm. of your finances it's unlikely that you just go off and have an affair with someone outside your marriage there's been some difficulties within the marriage or between yourself and your wife that you've ignored. So evaluating your yourself and your behaviors around certain situations will potentially avoid those fatal failures. I think that's the essence of wisdom. You know, I think that's, that's what wisdom is, is knowing, um, knowing the consequences of, of the actions that you're taking beforehand, you know, having, having that, that sensitivity to realizing like this has the potential to be dangerous. So I'm going to stop it before it gets out of hand. You know, and that's to me, that's the essence of wisdom, you know, you know, to use an example like you used with the affair, you know, it's like for me personally, I've always been, have you, I don't know how common it is like globally. My dad told me this story about the frog in the boiling water. It used to be pretty common. Are you familiar with that? I know. it. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad told me that and I've always, something about that just always stuck with me. It's like, I've always been very hyper aware of like the real subtle things that don't seem like they're a big deal. And that's really where so many people, I think, I wouldn't say that's exclusive to men. I think people in general, there's so many things that seem like they're not a big deal. And then the next step seems like it's not a big deal. And the next step seems like it's not a big deal. And by the time it is a big deal, it's too late. Um, And I think that's where, you know, most affairs don't happen because they're just like, you know what? Screw it, man. I'm just going to go cheat. Like (laughs) that's not usually how it happens. It's usually like, it's a lack of boundaries, you know, like you're, you're lonely at home. You might not be getting the attention that you want to get from your wife. And so there's a woman at work that's, that's giving you some sense of attention that you're not getting at home, you know? And it's like, you need to realize right then that if you let that, if you let that feed itself, that's the temperature in that water going up from one degree, right? It seems innocent. It seems harmless, but if at some point it's all going to seem harmless until it's not. And that to me is wisdom is knowing the difference and being able to analyze those things. And there's not a the thing that's challenging is there's not like a recipe book, like grandma gives, you know, my wife has her grandma's recipe book that she learned all this stuff. Like there's not a recipe book for life. I could give my boys or I could tell other men about like every possible solution to every situation like that. There's, there's concepts, but you have to download them into your own, into your own brain and, and run the computer yourself as best you can. Um, 
and that's the challenge, you know, is, but to, to, to answer your question, I think that's wisdom. It's knowledge applied, mm-hmm. you know, and it's being able to, it's being able to, to, to see, you know, like chess, see seven moves ahead. Like just because that one move seems like it's a good move without evaluating, Oh, if I do that, then they're going to do this. And then if I, and if I do that, then they're going to, it's that strategic thinking of cause and effect, you know, that, you know, and again, we have two different extremes. It seems like in the world where we have like these bulls and China shops that just whatever the, the obvious move is, they just do it. And then they're all pissed off when somebody takes their queen, you know? And then you got these other guys that can't make a move at all because they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to lose any pieces. And it's like trying to teach that balance between the two, between like, you've got this hyper masculine like side of like these barbarians that think any thinking at all is feminine. And then you've got these feminine, you know, more feminine guys that aren't sure of themselves and don't want to mess up. They just sit there and don't make any moves at all. And it seems like there's fewer and fewer men that are being integrated towards that middle of like, you got to make some moves. You're going to lose some pieces. That's part of a bigger plan, you know, and trying to, trying to teach both ends of the spectrum to bring towards the middle there. That, that to me is, is, is the wisdom, you know, is being able to evaluate and apply like, the cause and effect and think it as many moves ahead as you can. And the more you do that, the more moves ahead you can, you can learn to think when you're starting out, you might only be able to see two moves ahead yeah. and that's okay. You yeah. know, as you grow, as you mature, you'll be able to, you'll, you'll learn the hard way. You'll be like, Oh, okay. And you'll start to see the patterns and you start seeing three moves ahead. And that's really all that is, is just exercising that wisdom muscle um, until you look up one day and you're like, damn, I can actually think eight or nine moves ahead, you know? But you never feel like you're making that progress as a man until something happens that make you look back. You're like, wow, you know, I'll go read an email that I wrote like eight years ago. I'm like, good grief. I've actually gotten way better at communicating than I, than when I first started, you know, but I don't, at no point did I feel like I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like, until something causes you to like have this moment of clarity and you're like, wow, I actually have made a lot of progress. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And uh, you talk about, men struggling to lose pieces along the way and that's a that's a necessary part of the process for me it's about leaving certain ideals or beliefs or people mm-hmm. or things that no longer value you in yeah. your life anymore leaving them behind in order to level up your life as a man what have been some of the things that you've had to leave behind on your journey to becoming the man you are today golly <laughs> I mean, when I look back on, you know, when I first got married at 25, um, God, almost everything. I mean, um, quite a young age. I got married at 24. Um, I kind of have a different story. Me and my, me and my wife were just dating at the time and, and she ended up getting pregnant and we weren't really planning on getting serious, but as soon as we, as soon as we got pregnant, I I always knew I wasn't going to be the deadbeat dad, you know, like I was never going to be that. Uh, my parents are both still married. And so it was a value that was always instilled in me. Like you're not going to be a deadbeat dad. And so as soon as she got pregnant and we've been dating for like a year and a half, we got along great. We, we had a great time together, but it was more of a friendship than it was like romance. It was just kind of like, we both had some trauma around relationships. And when she got pregnant, we were both just like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And you know, the friendship part was easy. The romance part is actually what we had to figure what we had to work on most because at it's really to even now it's easy for us to be buddies. We, we have the same sense of humor. We have the same interests. Like we just love hanging out with each other, you know, but a lot of times if we're not careful, we end up high-fiving and then we hug, you know, 
Um, and I don't have a problem with that. It's just our particular relationship. But, and so for me as a man, I kind of, I was kind of in that situation where I got thrown into the deep end and I just had to figure it out, you know? And um, that I, think more, I think more men would be well served by, by having that happen. Not necessarily the way mine happened, just being put into a situation where you just have to sink or swim, right? Um, but as far as what I've had to let go, I mean, um, I mean, as far as like personal things, like, I mean, video games was one for sure that I don't, I went from playing video games a lot when I was younger and even like six or seven years ago, that was what I did to just zone out. Um, whereas now I haven't played video games in years. I've just completely got rid of the Xbox and I'm just, you know, I forget that video games exist now. Um, do your kid, do your kid still play the video games? They do. Yeah, they we homeschool and so we went back and forth, but it's like that's one of the only ways they can socialize with other kids, you know, is through online gaming. Um, and so we take it away. Anytime it gets to be where it's like a problem, we'll take it away for a month. But they they play intermittently, but they're starting to get to the age now where they would rather read books and play video games. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, but you know, as far as man, like what I've let go, like my own ego, big time. Um the biggest thing I would say that I've had to, that I've had to let go of as a man is just to completely shed myself of any selfishness and really embrace embrace the idea that like my life is a sacrifice for my wife and my family and my needs come last you know and I, and I don't mean that like I take care of my health you know it's not there's an unhealthy way to do that absolutely I take care of my health and I, and, I, and I'm I'm good with my diet all that stuff but as far as like what i invest my time into what i invest my energy into what what i spend my time focusing on it's all about them you mm. know me taking care of my health is so that i have the energy to be the kind of father and husband that i need to be i don't i don't you know go out of my way to be like oh I'm, i want to do something for me i need some me time you know like and i end up having plenty of it my kids are 11 and 13 so like last night i was like prepared to spend the night with my boys and they like hanging out with their friends i was like oh okay so i guess i'm gonna sit and read you know like (laughs) but um but i would say the biggest thing that i've had to let go and i feel in a lot of ways it's one of those weird things that on paper when a man hears that that hasn't experienced it man that sounds like it sucks you know to to live your life as a sacrifice for somebody else um but i'll be honest man like i feel so much more fulfilled as a man having adopted that mentality um to where I wake up every day and my, my drive is to be the best man I can be for other people, for my wife, for my kids, for the people that I follow, that follow me on Instagram, mm-hmm. everything I do, the, the more I, the more I taste that living for other people um, and pouring into other people, the more I get addicted to it because it's so much more gratifying than anything I've ever done. And, and I, and I speak from experience, you know, I, I was a millionaire by 30. I was retired and I, I checked off everything on my bucket list. I've got the house that I always dreamed of, the car, you know, I've got an awesome truck that I always wanted, you know, been everywhere in the country that I've wanted to go to, you know, like I've I've really achieved a lot of the stuff that I had on my bucket list. And um, it was almost a disappointment, you know, because it wasn't fulfilling. It was just like, it was like Christmas morning when you were a kid where it's like, man, I'm so excited for all these presents. And then like two weeks later, it's like, wah, wah, you know, like, it's so empty, you know, whereas, man, as soon as the more I, I use my gifts and my talents and the things I've been blessed with and my energy to improve the lives of, of others, man, 
nothing energizes me more and gives me more excitement to wake up every day than than pouring into my wife and kids and and, and you know the content that I write on Instagram and you know other men that haven't had a good father figure or role model like man there's it doesn't even compare to the things like you know I've stayed in the penthouse at Bellagio in Vegas for a week and gambled in the high roller room and like I've done a lot of cool stuff that a lot of a lot of guys are man that would be awesome it's like man it was cool but it doesn't come it doesn't compare to getting a message from somebody on Instagram it's like dude reading what you wrote has changed my life you know like I never had a dad around I've never had anybody to look up to and like what you're saying and what you're doing is really making a life a lifelong difference for me. Like, I mean, it, I'm like, you know, it's hard not to tear up about it. You know, like there's no comparison between those. I, 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 there's no comparison between the, the reward, the rewarding feeling you get on the inside and, and using what you've been given to help other people and pursuing selfish things. Cause I've and I speak from, from experience. I've pursued the selfish things and it's more often than not disappointing. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you there man and it's what i'm curious about though is again going back to one of your posts there that i that i read was that manhood is learned and i'm curious about how you learned um experience <laughs> you know um self, i don't know self-intuition self-awareness uh partly i can't i can't speak for every man i think you've got a subset of men that are self-motivated but honestly, if I was talking about and the men that listen to podcasts and like are listening to you know, or find reading this content on Instagram, you know, they're already the ones that are seeking out self-improvement. Right. So it doesn't necessarily apply to either of our audiences because they're actively proactively seeking out that kind of stuff. But if you if you pile all those men in with men in general that aren't on Instagram, that aren't doing anything, any of these things. I think most men, for the most part, everything men do is for the sake of either getting or keeping a woman. <laughs> I mean, you know, and if it wasn't for women, we would just destroy each other. It'd be like fight club. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if it wasn't for a woman in our lives, like it softens us, it forces us to, you know, and not just a woman, but our children, you know, a, man, a man's going to soften up for his kids. A man has to refine the, the rough edges to, to be with a woman. You can't be just a complete barbarian. Right. And so for me, like really manhood is learned is, is you can learn to be a barbarian. You can learn, you know, a lot of that stuff without a woman, but to really reach the pinnacle of, of masculinity. And again, this isn't universal because some men are just conscious and they're seeking out enlightenment and they're seeking out wisdom and knowledge and self-growth, you know, but I, that's a, that's a very small percentage of the overall group of men in society. I think most men, you know, they, you know, I think one of, one of the verses in the Bible is like the woman is the crown of the man. And, you know, for me, some women find that offensive. It's like, no, that's what takes, you know, a warrior and turns him into a king is she gives him a kingdom. She gives him a responsibility beyond just defending his honor and street fights and shit, you know, like that is what refines you into the fullest version of that balance between the warrior and the lover and the provider and the protector. And, you know, whereas if I don't have anything to, if I don't have a wife and kids to predict, I can just go be reckless. And more often than not, I'm going to get, I'm going to pick the wrong fight and get some, someone's going to chop my head off. You know, like that's where you learn wisdom and stuff. So when I say manhood has learned that particular post was written towards women, because, you know, I think a lot of women 
um, they're, they're looking for a man who's already a man, you know, and they're comparing men, you know, they're when the, the women that follow me are comparing to, to me to an extent. Right. And what I try to get through to them is like, guys, I would not be who I am. You're not going to find a man like me who's not married. I learned this stuff that I'm teaching through being married. You're, there's not a way for a man to learn this stuff and learn how to treat a woman and learn how to build those communication skills. And all. You're not going to meet a 23-year-old single dude that knows the stuff that I know. If you're looking for that, you're going to be disappointed. Like you have to, manhood is learned and to the extent that like, yes, a man can get to where I, I'm at when I write about relationships. But if you're looking for a single dude to have those skills, you're going to be waiting forever. You've got to understand that so many of the things that a man has to learn, especially in the context of providing for a woman and, you know, nurturing a woman and being selfless for a woman. Like what in life makes a man selfless other than a woman? How many, how many 23 year old dudes do you know that are selfless and sacrificial? None, right? It's not until you, you get married and have kids that that's when it, that's what activates that higher level of being selfless. And women are looking for single dudes. They're like, oh, I don't want a selfish man. It's like, he won't be selfish if you give him a chance. He'll, you know, if you, you got to let him learn these skills because nothing in life is preparing men for what it takes to be a good husband. Like, it's all about selfish things, being the best on the sports team or making the money or whatever. There's nothing that's like, hey, you need to go do something that doesn't benefit you at all purely for the sake of someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other... The only thing that teaches a man that lesson is a relationship, is a marriage, is children, you know. And so that particular post about manhood is learned was written um, as something for women to say, you know, you've got to stop expecting single men that have no experience. You, you can't take where I'm at and apply it to a single dude that has no experience. That's never going to happen mm-hmm. because he hasn't developed. He hasn't been in a situation to develop those skills. And here's the thing. Neither would I if it wasn't for my experience as a married man and what I've had to learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. That sounds like at 25 or 24, 25, whenever she became pregnant, that you fully embraced that experience. Did you have any doubt or hesitancy in terms of, oh, I'm not too sure if this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, or did you make a conscious decision at that point that, okay, this is the one I'm choosing this woman and I'm going to pursue this and, and I'm going to, I'm going to work it out. What was, was this? 100, 100% say it was, all right, this is what we're doing. I'm not. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest problems and that I've, that I've observed and why yeah. people can't get their relationship going is they have this idea of perfect or whatever. And it's like, man, there's nobody that's going to be perfect. Like you, like the grass is always going to be greener. You're going to date somebody that seems perfect. And then they're going to start showing these, red flags how many posts do we see about red flags right it's like and then you're going to see somebody else that seems to have only green flags well guess what date them for six months and you're going to find red flags so for for me and my wife both so we came from different backgrounds i told you i was raised you know like i'm not i'm not getting divorced we're going to work it out i'm not going to be a deadbeat dead so my wife was complete opposite where each of her parents have been divorced four times and she moved all over the country and just had a really rough upbringing and never had any stability. And so she came into it being like, after what I went through, I'm not letting my kids go through this. So I'm not getting divorced. 
and we're not going to, you know, so she, we had the exact same values, but we came up, we came to that set of values from total opposite ends of the spectrum. And so we both just said, all right, this is it. And I just, I never really considered anything else after that. Like I made a commitment. I gave you my word. We made vows and that's it. I'm done thinking about it. I'm never going to consider, I'm not going to, I'm never going to think about mm-hmm. other women anymore, whether you're not, you're, whether or not you're the right person we're going to become the right person for each other. You know, like that's what, that's what marriage is, is, you know, you, you melt into each other, you know, like you're not going to retain your individuality. I think that's a, that's a really common, like, and I don't, it's not even something intentional, you know, it's like, you can't help it. Like, like if you and I were roommates and we lived together for 10 years, we would become a lot like each other. And it's not even like nothing romantic about it. Like when you're around somebody, you just become a lot like them you can't help it right like you, you you get along you end up finding a way to coexist and get along and have a good time together more if you have anything in common you figure out like if if you and i moved in together tomorrow and we did it for 10 years we would be best friends we'd be there for each other when when we were down we'd build each other up we'd go hang out together like we have that adage of like you become the five people you're around, right? Like it's like common knowledge that you hear that all the time. Everybody hears it. You become the five people you spend the most time with. Then why do you think you have to marry the perfect person? No, well, you, you won't be able to help but become like each other if you put forth any effort at all. And so we're overthinking a lot of that stuff, you know? And so for me, for she and I, it was just like, no, this is what we're doing. And I'm not, for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my boys, we're going to build this life together. And we're going to make it work. And like I said, the friendship part was easy. It was weird for a long time being married. And we had a lot of, a lot of fights about how there wasn't any, you know, that intimacy and that, that feeling, that feeling of, of love and romance and, and passion and all that. Like that's something we really had to work hard to cultivate. You know, it was always easy for us to go hang out and laugh and watch, you know, comedy specials and make fun of people and just there's a lot of stuff that's always been easy for us but like taking the time to like really be romantic with each other was a lot of like when i say a lot of work i mean years of really actually actively having to cultivate like how do you feel loved and how do i feel loved and it was it was a lot of work um but it was never a, a question of is this the right person there is no right person everybody's they didn't and in the same way, if you and I lived together for 10 years, there'd be a ton of stuff. would be like, God, it drives me freaking crazy that he does whatever. Like, you're going to have things that you hate about each other. You're going to have days. Like, you know, I've had days. With my, I've had weeks in my marriage. Where I'm like, I, I fucking hate her. I hate her so much. I don't even want to look at her, you know. And she'll tell me this. She'll say the same thing. She'll have, there's times where she'll say something and I'll snap off and she just gets this look on her face and I can tell she's just thinking like, I hate you so much. I just die. Just go away and die. Like, you know, but it's just, that's real life. man. Like, that is just real life. That's not portrayed in Hollywood and it's not portrayed on social media because it's not sexy and nobody wants to shine a light on that, you know, but it, that's, that's what it's actually like. Why you know? are, why are divorce rates so high then in, in your opinion? I think it's the grass is always greener thing, you know, um, I think there hasn't been people don't don't even, it seems like people just don't even want to put in the effort to try, you know, like there's just not that deep down desire to like really make it work and be willing. Like, here's the thing for me, like the marriage, you've got two, these two distinct people, 
And then this marriage is this unit of the two of you that supersedes either of you individually. It's the, it's its own separate thing. There's you and there's her, and then there's us. So that's not two of you. It's three, it's three, three entities there. Um, and I don't think enough people prioritize the us over the you or me. And so when you go into it with that level of commitment, you have to go into it and say, almost anything, if I have to make a decision between the us and the me, I'm always going to choose the us. And no matter what I have to sacrifice of myself, if it's for the betterment of the us, it's sacrificeable. It doesn't mean you can't have any identity at all. But if, if you have to choose between watching porn or your marriage, do you need to sacrifice the porn? If you have to choose between playing video games and the marriage and the us, then you, then you take the Xbox and you throw it out in the yard and you wipe your hands clean of it and you never think about it again, right? Like doesn't, it doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's justified that it met, that, it, you know, it bothers her that you play video games so much. And that's, that to me is people aren't willing to let go of the selfishness for the sake of the us. They would rather keep playing Xbox. And there's a female version of that. Absolutely. Where women don't do their part for the us. I don't want to put it all on men. I just don't know what the female version is. I think it's harder for me to talk about, but I, I, I certainly think there's things about women. They're not willing to sacrifice for the us, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that's the a crucial element is, is both parties have to go into it and realize that, the, that your union is a separate entity from your individuality and whatever. And let, I mean, within reason, like you shouldn't sacrifice your morals or start doing drugs for the sake of staying married or anything, you know, like, I'm not a believer that's just universal, but unless it's a really big deal, your marriage is more important. Just let it die. Yeah. Know? And it's, it's extremely liberating when you do that. But for a lot of men, I feel the reason they don't pursue that with that, or they don't give themselves fully to the woman is because they're afraid of rejection. Yeah. Why and that's I where as a man, you've got to be fearless because you're going to yeah. get rejected a lot. I've got, I've had to, I mean, my ego has been, I mean, I, I posted something yesterday about how like part of part of the, it was a woman and she wrote one of the things she loves about the man is the countless ego deaths that he's had to, that he, he's had to endure to wade through her, you know, her emotional testing and the way to wade through the chaos that she's had to work through and as she's matured, you know, and to wade through a lot of those things where as a man, that's just part of the journey, man, is like she's going to lash out and there's going to be trauma from her past that she takes out on you. And, you know, like women have a, a lot of issues, just like men have issues with not having a dad around and not having a good male role model and, and having culture tell us that being a man is wrong and all this thing. There's a complete side of that coin for women that a lot of women don't know how to deal with, with a man in a healthy way. And they can't distinguish between healthy masculine energy and damaging masculine energy for a long time because they didn't have an example of it in their dads or in their lives. And so even there's a lot of times where as a man, you're not going to be doing anything wrong, but she's going to perceive it as like this controlling masculine thing at first. And you just got to sit and wear it and she's going to take it the wrong way, you know, because she, and, and you got to have compassion for it because in a lot of ways in this, in the same way that men have manhood has to be learned. You got to have compassion for let a man grow. You know, a lot of women have had really bad experiences with men, you know, and haven't had good, good male role models. And you're going to have to pay for a lot of other men's mistakes. 
and you've got to be willing to sit and sacrifice. Like that's heroic. You know, you want to be a hero. That's, that's, that's a heroic thing. It's like, you know what? I love you. I made a commitment. So if you, if you need to attack me, I can handle it. I got broad shoulders for a reason. I can handle it. Throw it on me, get it out of your system. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here forever. You're not going to drive me away. I can handle it. So you need to get it out of your system and knock yourself out, but it's not going to phase me at all in a bad way. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get defensive. I'm not going to be like, how dare you? You know, I'm going to see it for what it is that this is probably a result of pain that you have every, every reason to feel because of how other men have treated you. I'm just having to get punished for it. But you know what? I'm man enough to take it. So lay it on me. Let's approach, get approach it with love. Yeah. Not with hate or anger. Yeah. And see it for what it really is. You know, like she, there's so many things that I've dealt with with my wife that over the years, it took her years to realize like, oh my gosh, like I can't tell you how many times and how gratifying it's been. Like five years later, she's like, babe, oh my gosh, I've been doing all this to you. And it was really had to do with my dad. And you've just taken it and worn it for five years. Like you are such an incredible man. But for the first five years, everything was my fault. And I just had to sit and take it. And I knew it wasn't my fault. I knew I wasn't the one responsible for that. I knew it was her dad, but she couldn't hear that. Right. But finally just being steady and being patient and just wearing it, you know, yep, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm an asshole, you know, and just, you know, sooner or later they, they, they work through that just like men have to, work through those things and then they realize it. you talk about something that is worth it because once she realizes what you've done and how many of those ego deaths you've endured for her sake once she gets past it you talk about a level of love and devotion and trust and you know commitment from her i mean her walls come down and she's like you are a man damn <laughs> you know like you just wore so much punishment that wasn't your fault and you never blamed me and you never took it out on me and you were stable through the whole thing. Like it's like as a man, it's worth it, you know, but very few men understand that that's part of the journey. And when you're marrying somebody, you're marrying a perfect woman that has trauma, that has baggage, that has things that she's going to have to work through. And part of your job is to be that grounded rock that the world breaks itself against, you know, like you are, you are the rock and she is the ocean. Like you just, some days the tide is low and some days the tide is storming. And, and so you have to just buy into like, I'm the rock. Whatever you throw at me, I'm not going anywhere. I've made a decision to love you. And no matter what you do to me, I'm not going to stop. And sooner or later, when, once the woman realizes that, they all have this moment where they just break down in tears and they finally are like, I am loved. I'm loved. I don't have to prove anything. Right? Like, I am I've thrown everything I could at this dude to test him to see if he really loves me. And he is, he has worn it like a warrior and the level of trust. And, and it's like, you're, it's like, you relate. It's like the Grinch, you know, her, her, his heart grew three sizes or whatever. Like, it's like there, you can visibly see it as a man. It's like her heart grew three sizes. It's like, Oh my, when she, once it clicks. Right. And so I think that part of the reason for a lot of that divorces, at least from the male side, is being reactive and being like, well, that's not my fault. It's like, well, yeah. So what? You made a commitment. Wear it. Wear it, tough guy. You know? Mm-hmm. The test. Yeah. 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 Man, absolutely fucking love this conversation. Thank you so much for your insights. I could yeah, say I enjoyed it. Man. Hours, man. And uh, you've got some 
brilliant content on your Instagram. You're quite new to the game, but you are making quite an impact, which is, of course, a big reason why I reached out to you to have, have you on this podcast. So what's your Instagram ha- handle and where can everyone find you? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is at the wisdom of kings. Love it. Yeah. Good. Is that is that the only place to find you or have you got other platforms right now yeah yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to outsource the work on other platforms yeah um you know the email list and the podcast stuff like i'm planning on getting a lot of that stuff done but i'm gonna have to outsource it because i don't have the capacity to to manage all that right now so well i look forward to that and in the meantime i look forward to seeing more of your wisdom popping up on Instagram. thank you so much ryan thanks for having me Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.